Welcome to No Rewind with Larry Betag. The next chapter of your life begins today, and you're playing the hero. Whether you're on track and ready to cross the finish line or need a complete overhaul, you've come to the right place. Join Larry as he walks alongside you in the next chapter of your life. We'll take a deep look under the hood to see how you can take the right steps to go from good to great. Victories aren't easy, but regret can be costly. Welcome to No Rewind. You've only got one shot. Well, good morning. This is Larry Betag at No Rewind. Really excited to have my next guest. Um, I've known her for quite a while. I'd say her most of her life. But before we get in there, this is Larry Betag at No Rewind. I want to first and foremost say thank you to Cherry Creek Mortgage as being one of my sponsors. Again, Cherry Creek is the one that pays for that. If you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, refinance a home, I tell people always start at Cherry Creek Mortgage. We can help you with the best professionals in the business. That's my shameless plug for the, the company that keeps us on the air. So today I am uh, really happy to have uh, a person uh, who I've known my entire life. In fact, I'm going to say it's coming up on almost 20 years. Is that right? That is right. So without further ado, my gift mystery guest today is Claire Betag. Yes, for the first time ever, I am having a family member here, but I'm really excited to talk about the things we're going to talk about. So welcome to the show, Claire. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we talked about a lot of the stuff that's going on in your life for quite a while, and I got to tell you, as a dad, I can't be more proud of you, but um, I was definitely nervous as far as you going off to college, and we're going to talk about some of that, but it's mm-hmm. turned out to be a pretty good experience uh, mixed with some stuff that's a little bit kind of nutty, isn't it? Yeah, very. <laughs> so tell everyone, I don't want to talk for you, but tell everyone about um, uh, how, uh, the family you came from, how you were raised, um, brothers and sisters, anything that's important that the world needs to know about you. So I am 19 years old, middle of five. Um, we grew up in a very Catholic, traditionally Catholic household, I would say. Um, definitely a big extended family, so we were always used to growing up with a lot of kids our age. Um, I always attended uh, Catholic schools growing up, and going off to college, that was pretty much the main thing I was looking for, was going to a good Catholic school. Before we get there, tell me more about uh, our, your family. Was it really kind of quiet, shy, and boring? Or, or Definitely not. It was always pretty chaotic. It was a lot of fun um, having, you know, a lot of siblings and being... Younger than my two older brothers was definitely an experience, but it was also nice having the two younger siblings um, that I could kind of boss around here and there. But everyone it was a push downhill. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So. And then uh, favorite trips um, with extended family growing up. Definitely, I would always say Colorado, but. This past year, obviously, we went to Nashville, Tennessee, and I think that was my all-time favorite trip. And how about one more with cousins? How about 4th of July? Anything special on the 4th of July? Because we are recording on the 4th of July We are. We would go to Door County, Wisconsin every year because our our grandparents had a nice lake house where all of the cousins would 
reunite, have our big family reunion. Everybody looked forward to that one every single year. So. And that was a lot of organized chaos. Oh, yeah. A lot of fun, though. So before we get into this, I have to ask you one, uh, one uh, fun kind of question. Your favorite holiday? My favorite holiday is for sure Thanksgiving. Again, big family reunion. Um, my birthday is around that time, so there's a lot going on in between all the family being home and celebrating Thanksgiving and my birthday, and it's just a lot going on, but it's always a blast. It's got to be a blast because you have so much chaos. It probably sucks once in a while because it's probably hard to get a couple minutes to yourself. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot, but it's it's definitely worth it. It's, yeah. it's a lot of fun having everybody home. Well, I got to tell you, I've had the uh, the pleasure of watching you grow up, and you're right. You were, uh, I, I think, in, in a fun and friendly kind of way, you were bullied by your older brothers. Oh, yeah. Or maybe you were used as a wingman for them. But um, I, I know the great thing about being the king of the heap, you can always push it downhill. And so you got to pick on Grant and Tessa. Um, the only one that gets kind of screwed is Tessa because she doesn't know what to do. That's true. <laughs> you know? Very, very true. Um, so where are you now in uh, uh, your, your educational career? I am at St. Mary's College. I'll be going into my sophomore year this year. And that is in South Bend, Indiana, right across the street from Notre Dame. Yeah, aren't they affiliated in some kind of weird way? Yeah, so they are um, on a tri-campus community, so it's St. Mary's College, Notre Dame, and Holy Cross College, and yeah, they're considered a tri-campus community, so they do a lot of intertwining with a bunch of sports and activities, so we're over there a lot. So I got to tell you, I um, we, we looked at a lot of different schools, and I think there are other schools that, that probably offer better things here and there, and other schools that offer worse things here and there. I know a lot about you and one passion that you have. Um, what is that passion that you grew and, and had in high school? That would be, I played the saxophone in high school and um, I did it, I've been playing since I was in fifth grade. I never thought that it would be something that I would pursue later on in my life, but it kind of just happened and because I loved the environment, the people, and I kind of, it grew with me as I was growing up. And you had this really far out idea, um, almost since maybe sophomore, junior year in high school, that given the ideal situation, you would like to do what? Be in the Notre Dame marching band. I mean, and I would say even earlier on, like when we would go to the Notre Dame games, like watching the Notre Dame marching band perform was always like surreal to see because they are a very famous, well-known band and... When I found out that going to St. Mary's would possibly mean that I could be in the marching band, I was like, sign me up. Like, that would be unreal. So, And um, tell us, before we get into some of the other stuff that we're going to talk about today, um, tell us about um, what's that process like uh, as far as auditioning for the band? So we do have to move in about a week earlier than everybody else for band camp auditions, and you do have to re-audition every single year except for senior year and I mean last year it was nothing compared to like high school band camp because I I just think that they like beat everybody down so much during that band camp that they see who would be willing to stay in band and who can get through all of that and um, that's exactly what they did but I remember on the first day of band camp, they they did like light hazing for the freshmen and kind of just threw everybody into the, the parade block. 
and they called us off to start marching and I had no idea what I was doing and <laughs> all of the other um, sophomore juniors and seniors like j- they got a really good laugh out of it because all the freshmen were like in a lot of pain and had no idea what they were doing. Well, so. they're, they're, <clears throat> they have you kind of run with high steps and stuff like that yeah. in, uh, uh, in, in your practice, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember one day in particular, because I, I went there to drop you off. I, mm-hmm. think, I forgot what was going on, but my, my mom couldn't be there. And I just remember they have these like hot, kind of heavy felt uniforms. Oh, yeah. And then while it feels really good come November, mm-hmm. um, in the middle of August heat, it was probably yeah. pretty Yeah, 95 brutal. degree weather in those uniforms is definitely brutal. But we do practice outside every single day. So they definitely do prep us for that to get used to it for game days. But... It's it's not fun wearing them all day long, especially during a game day. But you know, remember, it's definitely worth it. I remember the day before, um, before you found out, you were so exhausted and you were so intent as far as being part of this being part of this band, being part of this band, being part of this band. And then um, the day before, I remember. You remember what you said to me? No. You said, "I don't even care if I make it. I'm just glad it's done." And I said, "Bull." I said, you would hate it. And I said, especially since you work so hard, you're just exhausted. And I said, you, you're just, you, you, you're exhausted. I mean, yeah. they, they worked your they ass did. off all they day, did. didn't they? Yeah, they did. I remember sitting in one of my, my first classes. It was actually my first class at St. Mary's. It was some gen ed education class. And I got an email on my Apple Watch saying, like, that the band results were in. And I was, like, freaking out because I couldn't pull my phone out during my first class of college. So I had to sit through it. But then finally I had to get up and go to the bathroom because I could not wait to see the results. But when I saw it, it was like, I felt so relieved. It was just, it was such a good experience. Were you high as a kite? Oh, my gosh, yeah. I was freaking out. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, exactly where I was when you called me. Do you remember calling me? Yeah, I remember FaceTiming you right after class. Do you remember where I was? Were you, you were out of town? Yeah, when I was walking call? through the Minneapolis airport. Oh, Minneapolis. And okay. um, I don't know if it's going or coming, but I remember just the, the, the excitement right. uh, and your mom was thrilled with everything. I so. know. It was really cool. So let's let's take a look. So you, you, you get that. And, and real quick, one more thing on the band. Um, how how's that experience been for you? It's been amazing. Um, it's definitely, again, completely different from high school marching band. Um, I'd say the biggest thing is the community, because um, the saxophone section, everybody is so different. It's a very diverse section, but everybody is very close, and it's a very tight-knit community. We hung out all year after the season ended, and I'd say I made really, really close friends. And that was, you, you hung out with your section. That's how yeah. big the band is. Your your band section is that big that you yes, hang out with it's, your section. it's a huge section. So how, how, how many members are part of the band? Uh, I think there's about 400, maybe a little bit more. Crazy. But yeah, each section is, it's pretty big. It's um, nice to have that many people. So um, let's, let's rewind. We're going to talk a little about, you know, what I, what I want to talk about. I'm not pitching one way or another, but I do think that, um, you know, we're going through this thought as far as your, your younger brother, do we send him to college? Do we not send him mm-hmm. to college? I remember my father, my, your great grandfather, grandpa, your, your grandfather's grandfather, that'd be your great, great grandfather. He came to the United States. He was a professional boxer. 
believe it or not, he was a sax professional saxophone mm-hmm. player and he was a bricklayer. And he came over from Germany and said, you're going to get an education. And so my grandfather, your great-grandpa, became the first, second thoracic lung surgeon in the United States. And he worked his butt off, and great-grandpa worked his butt off so that he could go around to medical school. Mm-hmm. Then my dad became an incredible doctor. He still is. And then uh, I am, and all my siblings, you know, they're ridiculously smart. They're all doctors. Linda graduated number one out of the Notre Dame's MBA class. Mm-hmm. And I got a degree. And now, you know, I remember my dad saying, an education is great. It's the one thing that the government can't take away from you is when you get your, your degree. And I, I agree with that. But things have changed so much over the course of time. I, I think it's probably really good if you go into, you want to be a doctor, a lawyer, um, a CPA, an engineer, something that, that, that requires a specialty degree or license. But with the general public, I think that's what we're going to talk a little mm-hmm. about today. So <clears throat> it, as you were thinking about colleges, um, how, you know, between your visits and maybe the visits with Brett and Jake, how many colleges would you say we looked at? I would say over 10, probably 12, I think. Yeah, we, we, made physical, we, we, we physically went to at least 10 or 12 yeah. campuses between them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at, uh, what, what's the degree that you're studying right now for? I am studying business administration and entrepreneurship. So business administration and entrepreneurship is what you want to do. And um, you have any idea as far as ideas or you just know you want to be a businesswoman or you want to create something? Do you have any kind of inkling what you want to do? Maybe a law school? What, what? Tell me what's on your mind. I've been thinking a little bit. I mean, my grandpa mentioned to me that he wanted you know me to go to law school. So that has been in the back of my mind a little bit. But right now, I know I want to go into business. I just don't know specifically what. Possibly be a business owner. So Good. Yeah. But you, I know, come from a very, I'm going to say this, I, I know we are a very, very tight-knit family. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also a very strong family, and we have done everything in our power to empower you as a woman to mm-hmm. really more, as I say, the child of God, to be who you're supposed to be. But, but have we ever told you to roll over and just take things as it comes? Or we said, go, no. go. Yeah. So as we went through this process, what were some of the criteria that you were thinking about in your mind? Did you have any set... Or was it making sure they have your degree and just had it feel right? Or tell me, take us through the process. Um, So looking at colleges, I knew that I wanted to go to a Catholic university. Um, Obviously, I went to Catholic middle school. And I went to Rosary High School, which is a small all-girls high school. Um, And I wasn't looking specifically for another all-girls university. That's just the way it worked out. But um, when I did look at St. Mary's, I I really liked that aspect of it, um, just because I had been used to it for the past four years. And just knowing that I had Notre Dame and Holy Cross just across the street was really nice because it doesn't have to feel like it's completely all girls. Um, And then I was also just looking for, obviously, a good education, um, a good Catholic environment, and... I just wanted it to be smaller because that's just what I had been used to. You know, I, I almost think in, in a weird kind of way, maybe you get the best of both worlds. You have a small, you know, I'm going to say Catholic, that, that, at least that's a name they attach mm-hmm. to it, mm-hmm. uh, girls' school, and then you can walk across the street and go to 
the mecca of, of college football yeah. and, and, and the big Notre Dame, and it works out pretty well exactly. having them both. Yes. Um, and then, hey, just real quick, going back, just because I, my, my brain works this way as a rabbit trail, <laughs> what's it like on, on, on game days? Game days are crazy. I mean, I have to get up pretty early just to be ready with the band, especially for a game during the day. Um, so we'll probably have, I think, rehearsals usually around 8 a.m. And then we'll rehearse. Um, we have to have all of our meals together with the band. And then um, we do a lot of the Notre Dame band traditions, which is concert on the steps. And then the trumpets do, like, trumpets um under the dome and there's just a bunch of smaller traditions they do um leading up to the game which is really exciting because it hypes up like the crowds um for the game and uh, we get to see the players come out um for the players walk so it's just very enthusiastic a lot of fun um but the entire day is just like the build-up to the actual game it's it's a blast and uh are you like a celebrity to people like uh, oh yeah <laughs> you can't walk anywhere in your uniform without that right? yeah they when you're walking on their campus i thought the seniors were joking when they told us it's like you're a celebrity but you'll be walking around campus and people will stop you every five minutes to get pictures with you i've had little kids come up to me asking for my autograph which is funny <laughs> because it's like i'm just a random kid in the band but it does make you feel kind of special and it's it's definitely part of the experience well i always think the cool thing about that is unlike michael jordan michael jordan's always michael jordan mm-hmm. but as soon as you take off your uniform you go yeah. back to being anonymous you exactly know? it's so it's maybe when you graduate and you want to feel great you, you go get another one of those uniforms and walk around <laughs> yeah i know i, I would <laughs> that's no. good all right, so we go through this this process. And, and, and what made you uh, decide uh, on St. Mary's and Notre Dame? Um, well, again, the band was definitely a huge, huge draw for me. And, um, you know, just the Catholic name attached to it. I know Notre Dame takes their Catholicism pretty seriously with the Basilica and the Grotto. Um, so I really wanted to be a part of that and be a part of the band. And I did, like that um, they have a lot of the statistics that were proven to have higher success rates for an all-women's college. So I really liked that draw to it, too. Yeah, I think something being cool about an all-women's college, my guess would be that they're really empowering women mm-hmm. to think on their own and yeah. do stuff like that. So, um, so you completed your first year, and... Um, in completing your first year, would you say that you found any really good friends on campus? Oh, absolutely. I found, I would say, my friends for life. Um, one thing that I really, really liked about it was that, you know, it was a funny story how I met my friends. Um, basically, I was in one of my classes, and I met this girl, Lorraine, and we started talking, and... I found out that she was from Naperville, and obviously I'm from St. Charles, and I was like, wow, that's crazy, and we start talking, and it turns out she went to Bennett Academy, and I went to Rosary, so she knew my school really well, I knew of her school really well, and then the more and more we talked, we found out both of our little brothers went to Marmion Academy, uh, and... That is weird. So you guys went to different high schools, you start becoming great friends, and you find out you're both your brother's are in the same class? Yes, exactly. They're in the same class, same year. 
And so we go ask our little brothers if they know each other. And it turns out that they are actually like best friends. And I (laughs) had no idea. I had not, I didn't connect the dots. So it was crazy how that worked out. And when I asked Grant about her and he was like, oh my gosh, you need to be friends with her. Like her group of friends are amazing. And you, I just know you guys would get along really well. Um, Their family is very similar to us, very Catholic and, you know, conservative. And that was a very strong draw for me because in Rosary, like, we had that, but we didn't really talk about, like, our political or religious affiliations as much as we we should have. And so when I found that out, I was like, I wanted to make friends with similar-minded people as me. And the more I got to know her, um, I really, really liked her. And she introduced me to her friends from Bennett, who also went to St. Mary's. And I really, really liked them. So... Now, you guys are like the three amigos. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we made our own little group. And here we are. We're super, super close. And I think we're going to be friends for life, for sure. And now Lorraine and I are going to be roommates this year. Well, I say with any good friendship, that's always the best test, is once you become roommates, oh, yeah. just, if you guys I know. love each other, kill each other. I think both. it'll be good, but we'll see. Okay, good. <laughs> Lorraine, if you ever listen to this, I wish you the best with Claire, too. So. <laughs> um, True. So, um, you know what, I, I guess, you know, so you're you're in there, and, and really, the, the thing, well, first of all, I want to say, I, I, I hate, like, the stigma or I hate putting labels on people when they say that they're liberal or conservative. Mm-hmm. I think I'm very liberal with certain ideas. I think I'm very conservative with certain ideas. I'm going to tell you my my, my morality. Mm-hmm. I would say definitely is parallel to that of um, uh, uh, the more conservative side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe. Um, I'm going to say this to you because I need to express this for the audience. I believe that God designed marriage between a man and a woman. I believe that there's only two genders. I believe that um, dads shouldn't divorce or play around uh, uh, on their spouses. I believe that um, a, a dad who gets a woman pregnant uh, should stand by the woman so that it, there, it can't just be about uh, being pro-life. Um, the dads have to stand up and become men. So I, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a lot of misnomers because I think that a lot of people think that if you're conservative, you're a hater. Mm-hmm. No, I think there's a greater solution. Would you think that that's, I mean, are, are, do are, I have friends, my best friends are gay. In fact, I have friends, best friends who are gay marriages. I have people that um, have had a million divorces. I've had people that play around. I have people that have done drugs and that have blown mm-hmm. up their family, pornography, this and that, la da da but I think that we've been raised, maybe under the guise of maybe how Christ would want us to mm-hmm. be, and yet we still have our own set of issues. But I, I think it's important for our listener to hear that, you know, there's a lot of great liberals out there. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 what I hear, you know, I, I hear that, I heard the other day that 80% of the population, probably somewhere in the middle, to a certain extent, and it's the fringe that are on the far 10% on one side mm-hmm. or the other. It's the private ones that get us in trouble. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's pretty accurate as far as the way that you've been raised? Yes, I would agree. However, I would say that we are are, are, are politically uh, very charged, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I have to put that out there for the sake of transparency. So, yeah. um, 
Let's talk about uh, the, the things that kind of concern you and me and maybe your experience out there. So you had a great year most of the year, didn't you? Yes, I did. And you got some of the best friends that you've ever had. But, but what I wanted to do is talk about, you know, talk about maybe some of the things that went on over the course of your year. And we'll, we'll finish with your, your, your grand finale. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but tell me some of the things that maybe you're kind of maybe unpleasantly surprised about when you went there that, that you wouldn't think would be in a university. Yeah, so when I first applied to St. Mary's, obviously it was the COVID year where, you know, everything was kind of screwed up. So everybody was still trying to figure out everything. Um, And when I had applied, they had came out with um, saying that I can only attend the university if I was vaccinated for COVID. And, um, obviously that shocked me because it's a private Catholic university and, um, you know, usually like with high schools, um, the high schools never did any of that stuff. So I was kind of caught off guard by that. And most of the other universities I applied to didn't have to do that because they were also really small Catholic universities. Um, so... That was definitely a roadblocker when I um, was trying to decide if I wanted to go there or not. And it had always been at the top of my list, except for that red flag right there. And I didn't know what I was going to do because I was not going to be vaccinated. I didn't think that I should be or needed to be. And I didn't think it would be... So before people... um... You know, there'll be people that listen to the mm-hmm, show mm-hmm. That, that think that you're whacked out because you're you're not going to get a vax. But, I mean, what were, you know, first of all, I forgot, even when we sat down here, I forgot that we had this whole issue. Yeah. Um, but what were the things that you were having that you knew for a fact that you weren't going to go ahead? And why, why weren't you going to do that no matter what? Well, first off, I just want to say, I want to put out there that I'm not anti-vaccine. I would say I'm anti-mandate. Um, I don't think it is okay for the government to choose what you um, are going to have injected into your body. And at the end of the day, like going back to the morality behind it, um, our family is led by the Catholic Church. And after doing a lot of research behind this vaccine, I didn't think that it was morally okay for me to receive it in my in my body. Um, we also come from a family of doctors, and I... You know, I listen to them because I believe, like, you know, they have their resources. I believe the science. And a lot of these vaccines are made through um, aborted fetal cell lines. And, you know, we're super, a very super um, pro-life family. And, you know, after doing a lot of research from it, like, I chose for myself that I did not want to receive this vaccine. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's my decision. And I shouldn't be mandated to have it, to go to a university. And the two science pieces that I think that I remember I was struggling with was mm-hmm. one, there was no real data out there from any kind of long term. There was a lot of data that we got from a lot of the doctors mm-hmm. who, who were doing their own studies um, that honestly said that they were, they were doing bad things, especially to women. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the third thing is, is changing the DNA uh, yes. of human beings. And I don't know how you do that without having a long-term study. 
And so, again, I, I'm with you. I have some of my real good friends are vaccinated. And some of my real good friends have um, booster after booster after booster. And I, I do not knock them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't judge them. I could care less. I, uh, but for me, um, you know, I, I remember Dr. Hefner, when LASIK came out, mm-hmm. I'll never forget what he said. He said, um, I said, can I get the LASIK? He goes, no, don't be on the first in the block to sign up for that. I'm like, well, why not? You offer it. He goes, yeah, the FDA approved it. Just because the FDA approved it, I wouldn't go ahead and be on the first in the block to sign up for mm-hmm. it. He goes, I'll tell you when it's good. He yeah. called me 12 years later, and he says, okay, now's the time to do it because they perfected it. Yes. So even if these things were good, I got to believe the same thing that Dr. Hefner told me is don't be first in line for that. They're still perfecting stuff. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, when I hear another vaccine coming out every other week, not really, but it seemed like every other month another vaccine comes out, I, I do not want to be the first up. Mm-hmm. And secondly, I don't want to sign up for anything that our government tells us to sign up without betting it because I don't trust our government anymore. Yeah, and I, I remember when they came out with that, um, thinking that if I were to get the first vaccine, like that's just signing up for, oh, if another booster comes out, they're going to mandate that. And then you're going to have to keep going and going no matter like if you want to or not, if you want to attend the university. So I just didn't even want to open that door. So uh, you, you go through this process, and, and t- I remember now how, how we end up. We I remember them saying, you tell me about the steps in the process. Mm-hmm. So you had to do A and B. You did A and B, and they kept going. Yes. Tell us what that was. So the first, they did offer um, an exemption from the vaccine. You could either do a medical exemption or a religious exemption. And I chose to do a religious exemption. And so what we all had to do was we needed to write a paper explaining why we didn't want to receive the vaccine and explain your religious views on it. Um, So that's exactly what I did. I think my paper was like two or three pages um, just stating the morality behind it. I gave all of my, you know, sources and work cited um, just stating why I didn't want to receive it. And then, so I I turned that in. It was, you know, I got it approved by my Uncle Matt, um, who is a doctor. And I sent that into St. Mary's. And um, I thought after that, like, that would have been enough to explain as to why I didn't want to receive it. But then we had to have an interview with them. And I think the interview was with, the I, I don't I don't remember what her position was, but it was um she was like in charge of exempt like exempting people from the vaccine and we had to have an uh, an interview with her. Um and so I remember you and mom were on the interview with me and I think Uncle Uncle Matt joined the call. Well I'm gonna say I think that that was um after. I think it was uh, something in between because I think that they came back and they asked you for more stuff mm-hmm. um, before they did that. Then they wanted to do a Zoom call mm-hmm. oh, yeah. with like the head of medical. Uh, I don't remember her title, but yeah. yeah, she was in charge of all of that. And so I was pissed off because I'm like, all I, all I remember, the only thing that I said is, listen, you asked her for her beliefs. Then you asked her to write a paper. Then you asked her for more. She's giving you everything. Mm-hmm. What more do you um, hope to get on this phone call mm-hmm. that you haven't already asked her for? They asked you. There were two steps in the process. You did one step. They add the second step. Then they add the third one on. We came on the third one because I was pissed off. 
And, um, you know, even though you're 18, you had to give us permission to speak. And I know that they were shocked with seeing a, a lawyer and a uh, doctor yeah. on the thing. And you got pissed off Mama Bear, too, uh, through, through, through Michelle. And they ended up relenting and, and, and giving it to you. But it, it's just absurd that um, a state like Indiana that's pretty wide mm-hmm. open would have this like little bastion of saying, hey, I don't care what our government says, you need to play by our rules or else. Now, they can do that, but um, anyways, we, we, you, you were able to get the exemption. Yeah, it was interesting because the lady who was in charge of all of the exempting, um, she was also the head director of campus ministry. So, I mean, I thought that was kind of weird just because she had been pushing back on us so hard and I was trying to explain to her all of my religious beliefs. Um, And, you know, being Catholic, the majority of Catholics are pro-life and that contradicts with the vaccine. And, you know, I, like, remember ending um, my, like, final statements with saying, like, my, my conscience is telling me not to do it. Like, I'm getting this you know, gut feeling. I feel like it's the Holy Spirit. And even after that, it was kind of weird because she was still like pushing back and being like, okay, well, it doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was kind of interesting. So, but, they, yeah. but we got, we got it. And I remember on the phone call where she said, well, congratulations. Um, you know, um, she has her exemption, but you had to go through like weekly testing yeah. and stuff like that throughout the whole yes. year, right? Every week I had to get tested. Well, I'm going to say it, even though I probably shouldn't say it on a podcast, but it's for such fucking bullshit. Um, <laughs> but I, hey, I made a lot of close friends standing in those uh, COVID testing lines. Yeah, so. I bet you'd find a lot of people that are real, somewhere in mind yeah, there. There are, they yeah, they say like 90% of the campus was vaccinated, but I don't think that was true. That's just more bullshit. Yeah, there were a lot of people in those lines. Yeah. So um, the rest of the year goes pretty well, but um, you experience. Um, tell me about how, how the professors were in general with, before we get to our, our grand finale fun dialogue, but, mm-hmm. but, um, how, how was it, uh, or how was the overall experience over the course of the year? Um, over the course of the year, I would say like it was okay. I mean, I wouldn't say that I was very surprised. I was surprised for the sake that it was a Catholic school and, you can tell, like, a lot of the professors don't really have a filter when it comes to politics and um, in their classes. Um, they'll, they'll say stuff um, when it's just, like, I don't know how that's allowed to be said at a Catholic school. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff they say is very contradicting to the Catholic Church, and I think it would be more accepting or appropriate at a public school to be saying this stuff, but... Um, throughout the course of the year, like, you can tell, like, a lot of the professors would say stuff, um, you know, leaning to the liberal side of the spectrum regarding politics. Were they leaning or were they... No, not leaning. They were far left and, but, like, they didn't even try to hide it. They would just drop subtle, subtle comments here and there and, you know, it was kind of frustrating and... Did Did you have to watch what you say or did you feel like you had to withhold... Speaking, and yeah, here here's the reason I'm bringing this whole thing up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, there, there, there's a local teacher here. After 22 years, he's finally retired, and I think he was seven time teacher of the year. And he mm-hmm. really believed in the Socratic method. So if you're a Democrat and you're a Republican, let's have an open discussion about it. 
And he's not picking side. He's just moderating it and say, hey, that's, that, that, that's cool. Let's talk about both sides. Got to the point where they wouldn't allow him to do that anymore. They could only talk, you know, what the left had to say. And quite yes. frankly, otherwise you had to shut up. And, and eventually he decided, despite being the, the favorite teacher and seven-time teacher of the year, he decided he had to leave because it was violating. He, he wanted to be a great teacher, not someone who, who pushed an agenda. Do mm-hmm. you feel like you had... Were you fine? Could you have free expression? Uh, could you not have free expression? Or did you feel like you were looking over your shoulder? Mm-hmm. Tell me what the... I wasn't in your classes. How, what was experience like? Well, I think the situation in general was different from high school just because of, you know, the different friends I have. Like, I, I do love, love, love my friends from Rosary, but, you know, we didn't talk about politics with each other. So it was kind of harder to talk about, you know, politics in the classroom or be more verbal about it just because you weren't sure about what people would think about you. But I'd say after making friends with the friends I made, it was definitely easier to defend myself in in my classes. Um, But, you know, when you're in a class with none of your friends and the teacher's saying, you know, these things that you don't agree with, it's it's hard to defend yourself for sure just because you don't want them you're like you're scared of them giving you a bad grade or like looking at you differently um you don't want them to tell the other professors what you said because that could affect your future um so it was definitely very tense and like intimidating to defend yourself but I think it's it was easier this year just because of the friends I had made because they're very strong and um opinionated in in a positive way but they're they're okay with defending themselves so let's talk about this last i I, well let me ask you before this um most of the stuff that you are doing right now in your first year it wasn't empirically based so what i mean by that you weren't doing math where two plus two equals four Mm -hmm. so it didn't matter what you said because really Two plus two will never equal five. So it wasn't right answer, wrong yeah, answer. Yeah, exactly. You had a lot of things that you wrote that were subjective. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of essays and all that stuff. So teachers can go ahead and quote unquote interpret things against you because of the way that you responded on, on, on discussions for social issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, I would agree. Okay, so let's talk about your your um, the, the class that just really blows me away in your experience unfortunately i had i was fortunate to spend some of my time live with you when we were finding out some of the stuff but, but take us through that class so should i say what class it is or well, should I it's up to you you're, 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 i'm not going to tell you what to do or not to do um you decide you want to just say i had a class or if you want to say what it was i think it's important to know about okay. the story even if you don't want to talk about the class Okay, so I won't name drop or say what class it was, but I was taking a general education class class, and um, I didn't even need it for like my major. It was just for general education credits. And um, throughout the entire semester, you can kind of tell this teacher that I had, she was very Catholic. I think she was very pro-life, but very very um I think she was obsessed with COVID like I don't think she was even I don't know she was more scared of it than most people would be and 
she loved talking about it. Even when the numbers were super, super low, she still was very nervous about the whole thing. Um, which I was like, okay, that's like how most of the professors are here. I don't think there's going to be any issues, especially she's, she's a pro-life Catholic, very similar to me. Um, but I could tell she was very, um, obsessed with COVID and, um, she would always drop these very passive aggressive statements, um, because I know like my friends did not enjoy wearing masks and when, when they did, you know, they would try to pull it down as often as they could. And she would always make comments on girls who ever did that and kind of, it was very passive aggressive the entire year. So we knew like what she believed and where she was standing. Um, but yeah, um, do you want so, me to... So, um, and this class was a uh, very, um, basically a subjective class. Again, it wasn't empirical, right or wrong. Yes. You, you had to go ahead and write letters or write essays or do whatever you had to do. And so it was subject to whatever mm-hmm. uh, uh, a teacher's interpretation was your grade. Yes, it was a very, um, it was kind of like a writing class, but it was also a very strong, like, conversationalist class, so there was a lot of talking. So, you ended up having a speech, mm-hmm. and I, I, if I recall correctly, it was about vaxes, but not the, it's not about the jab, per se, you weren't... Yeah, oh. well, okay, so... Yeah, tell me. It was, um, we had to do persuasive speeches, and... This teacher gave us a list of, you know, topics that we could choose from, um, and she crossed out a lot of the controversial ones, like, I think she crossed out the pro-gun one, or anti-gun one, um, and then she crossed out the pro-choice, pro-life one, um, and then one of the only controversial ones left was vaccines on children, which... You know, a lot of the other topics were kind of not very interesting to me, and, like, it was, they were very basic, basic topics. So, of course, I had to choose that one, and, um... To interrupt, it's not vaccines on children. I mean, it's not about the jab. No, no, it's it's just vaccines vaccines in in general, general. yeah. So, it wasn't very, very controversial, but, like, I knew what I wanted to say, and so I chose it, and... My my speech was not very controversial at all. I just, you know, gave my opinion on, you know, again, how I was not anti-vax, how I was just anti-mandate, and how I think that some vaccines are unnecessary for children, and I think at the end of the day, um, relying on a child's natural immunity is sometimes, like, a better choice than to, you know, get them vaccinated without doing any research. And a lot of the speech was about, you know, just informing the audience of how important it is to do the research before, you know, getting your child vaccinated. And it was not controversial at all. So, But, but before I recall, this I, I think I do recall, I think so, before you uh, gave your speech, didn't she go on a rant? Oh, yeah. she. <laughs> I walked in. I think the entire semester she knew, like, what, that I was like, I didn't really care too much about COVID and I think that bothered her a little bit and she knew what my my speech was on that day and as soon as you know we I walked in to give my speech that day she started going on a tangent about how if we all wore our masks for 30 days this would all be over and I can't believe how dumb some people can be you know not thinking about other people 
and it's it's just gonna kill us all one day and i'm like and, you're right. like, and then she's like but go ahead claire and then she's like all right claire you're up vaccines for children <laughs> so i was like all right come on and then you've been straight a's that whole class up until this speech is that right um yeah i mean i think i fluctuated between you know b's and a's in that right. class but it was it was a high grade for the entire year and or the entire semester um but after that speech you know it, you can tell which way I was leaning, but it wasn't very pushy, you know what I mean? It wasn't very aggressive or anything, So, but you could still tell, like, which way I stood. So, you get your grade back, and it was a grade, what was a grade? Uh, I think she she gave me a B. Okay, so that's fair. Which was fine. Okay. I was fine with it. But then we go, like, another week later, and two weeks later, we come into finals. Talk, talk yes. about finals. So, I walk into the final, and this was the final um, that I was least nervous for, just because I had done well in this class all year. And so you were actively participating all Yes, year. I was. Did you skip classes at all? No, okay. no, I didn't. didn't no, I didn't. Um, you know, I was comfortable with it, just because it was also an open book, open note exam. So, I was like, okay, well, like, I don't really have to study for it. Like, I can review just so I can find everything in the book. But, you know, for the most part, I can just find it during the exam. So I was, ex like, I, I mean, I wasn't nervous for it at all um, going into it. And I walk in, I start the exam, and I think there was five questions. So I was like, all right, this is great, this is easy. And then I walked out of the exam, you know, feeling pretty confident about it. I, I was like, I easily got a hundred percent if not a 98 because it was i found every single answer in the book how could i get anything wrong right um then the next thing you know we are watching our little girl play uh <laughs> no we were watching grant yeah and our little girl little boy who's not so little playing high school volleyball mm -hmm. at, at a local high school yes and we're sitting there a week afterwards and mm -hmm. what's happens well, I got a notification on my phone saying that she had posted my exam grade. And, of course, I was so excited because I knew I did well on it. And I open up the grade to see that she had failed me and gave me less than a 50% on the exam. And I was, like, beyond shocked because I was like, there was no way that I got that. There's absolutely no way. Um... So I remember telling you guys because I was so mad about it and I knew exactly why she had given me that. So this was done really in retaliation um, for you just uh, picking a topic that she didn't agree with mm -hmm. and defending it. Yeah. So um, what I think is amazing with this whole story is you respond to her and you challenge her back and you get this F minus basically mm -hmm. on a course that you had all A's and B's with the entire year. In fact, you did, you were pretty much all A's with every, all, all your courses. Yeah. Um, and, and then all of a sudden she gets this punch in the face and gives you an F mm -hmm. and you respond to her. And I remember some of the response was, um, I, 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 I well, you, you tell them as far as how you responded. Well, I had emailed her, you know, asking her like, is this a typo? Because there's no way this is right. I was very confident about it. I was very respectful. And I was just like, there must be a typo. Like, is this right? And Well, she had, you showed me the text. You, you showed me your communication yes. bag. And you were very respectful. Yes. Because, I mean, I she's, you know, my superior. I, I believe that I should be respectful towards a teacher regardless of if I, you know, disagree with them or not. 
Um, but she got back to me saying, no, like, that's right. I mean, I can go back and double check, but she's like, I'm 99% sure that that's right. Like, that's your grade. And I was like, uh, I don't think so. Um, not so much. No. So, you know, there was a lot of back and forth emails with her, um, basically of me just saying that there's no way I got this grade. Um, can you like explain to me what I did wrong? And for some reason, she wasn't able to send me her the results back to see. Um, she never sent you the results. She she said sorry, I can't send you my like corrections. I don't know why she couldn't because you know she has access to everything. Unbelievable. So. I was like, well, that's really interesting. And I was like, well, can you go back and look at it again? Because I'm, like, very confident that I, like, don't deserve anything below an A. And you gave me an F. And she's like, okay, well, I'll go back and reevaluate it. And and by this time, she's, like, extremely frustrated with me. Because I think she's insulted that I was questioning her ability um, to grade. I will say, I'm going to be not politically correct here. Yeah. She was very toxic with you. Very. I read the communications that she sent to you. Uh, she was very belittling to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember reading um, that she said that your um, that your responses weren't uh, of college length, and uh, I remember you responding and say, "Well, there was nothing in our uh, there was no 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 instructions mm-hmm. on, on the essay saying what appropriate college length is." Um, you asked the same length as every other exam and every other thing the whole year. Mm-hmm. And she just hummed and hawed and hummed and hawed with every single thing. The, yeah. thing, the thing that I found to be most disturbing was um, what happens within 24 hours. Well, she said, well, for the second time, she said, okay, I'll reevaluate again. And overnight, she was able to change and adjust my grade from an F to a C. And I was like, well, first of all, I don't deserve a C. I still deserve an A. But if we completely disregard that, why was it so easy for her to bump my grade up to grade letters? Um, that just made no sense to me. Well, what, what, what college professor in their right mind ever, if they're good at what they do, this, this just proves the point. Mm-hmm. If she's either incredibly incompetent mm-hmm. or incredibly uh, moody with regards to her political uh, beliefs. If she's incredibly incompetent, she shouldn't be there. But who in their right mind flunks somebody and says, I, I'm 99% sure that I have a right, and then within 24 hours takes you up to a C. You go from flunking to being average, mm-hmm. which I thought was BS because you're, you're right. I'm not saying you deserve it. <clears throat> but it's not about effort. It's whether your results were good. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have a C through any class this entire year, much less her class. And so and so. anyway, she, she gets that thing done. What else? Anything else? Well, you know, after that, I was still disappointed with my grade. Um, and then I asked her again, can I see any comments and corrections you made? And... She said, oh, well, I went back and reconsidered every possible point, um, which, which resulted in raising your score. Um, and then this was actually around Mother's Day. And she was like, if you didn't know, like, today's Mother's Day, so I will not be replying to you. And I was like, okay, like, I know it's Mother's Day. You didn't have to answer this email today, but whatever. Um, but I think I should read the last two emails. Yeah, please, between go us. ahead. 
Um, so her last response was, Claire, you should be able to see your test now. Let me know if you have any problems. I'm sorry I couldn't show you where I adjusted points. I would if I could, but the original file was overwritten. I tried as best as I could to give you all possible concessions. A point here, a point there. I would. Okay. So a point there, a point there, because she had to redo her work because she was either so incompetent or yeah. so moody mm -hmm. with regards to that she had to review her own work mm -hmm. and within 24 hours finds a way to take you from flunking to a C. But go ahead. Then she said, I would like to address your statement about college-length paragraphs. I believe I said college-level academic paragraphs. I shouldn't have to explain what that is to a group of St. Mary's students who have completed two semesters of coursework. If you had a CTS and or a W course, this is a skill you would have been well covered during, you know, the semester. This will be my final discussion on this matter. And then she signed her name off. And then she said, P.S. In the future conversations regarding your grades, I suggest using a more collegial tone with your professors. And you didn't, I, I read your whole thing. You were, you were, uh, well, what, what was your final response? I said, thank you, Professor. I am disappointed at the lack of direction and willingness to discuss this matter further. I pay a lot of money to this institution, and I know it's the desire of most professors here to help women grow into the leaders of the next generation. Though I was pointed in my discussion um, with you, at no time was I anything but professional or collegial, especially to you. I apologize that you have interpreted any communication as you have. To be clear, I was engaged in your class throughout the entire course, fully invested, I may add. I was not disrespectful nor disruptive. I'm sorry that you view my engagement as non-collegial in tone. I did believe that universities were a form to grow, increase learning, and have polite and open discourse. I appreciate your response. And um, after that, she had never responded. So I remember talking to some other people, and I remember this was kind of the hardest thing for me to, to, to share, but I said, um, I believe that, that, that God's made you a warrior and at heart, and at the end of the day, as far as being a warrior, it means um, there's times that you're going to have to fight, mm -hmm. and when you fight, um, that means you're going to get punched in the face, and you're going to get punched in the face by people who treat you unfairly. Mm -hmm. But I, I think when you, the alternative would be you do nothing and you roll over. And I think that sometimes, as I tell people, you have to go ahead and uh, roll over and play the stupid game just to get what you want out of things. And there's times you, you, you uh, turn to fight. Mm -hmm. um, I know that the, the next, the next um, pushback would have been for you to go ahead and... Uh, um, Maybe take it up to the dean or something like that. Mm -hmm. We were going to take it to the head of school, but. Your decision between the pushback and creating a name or mm -hmm. taking the, or taking a punch in the face, what would you decide mentally? Well, I decided that, you know, I have three more years at this university and the head of school would probably <clears throat> take her side because, you know, they are all on the same page regarding politics and, you know, at the end of the day, it was probably not worth, you know, giving myself a bad reputation, even though she, she probably will already give it to me. But Yeah, I'm concerned as far as someone like her going and telling other professors mm -hmm. that look out for this, this Claire. And at the end of the day, um, everything that you did was true, correct, accurate, and um, 
I, I think that I've always seen colleges uh, being a, a place for open discourse. Mm-hmm. And I can't ever see a, a, a professor saying this is the last we'll ever chat about this, especially mm-hmm. when I, I, I read your messages. Well, what what other things did you want to share? Is there anything else that you want to share about your, your experience there? Um, I think that was just a bad way to end the year, especially because, you know, the, the emails going back and forth was after I had already moved out from college. Um, so that was a little disappointing, um, just, you know, ending my year that way. I, I still do love St. Mary's. I just wish it was less, you know, polit- politically left-leaning, um, especially, like, when teachers shouldn't be talking about politics in the first place. We're not there to learn about their opinions on politics. We're there to learn about the class they're teaching. Um, so I, I do wish those things, but I think that's something that won't be happening in in the near future so it's it's unfortunately something we're gonna have to deal with for a while yeah i i I think that's the the thing that i i struggle with as a father what do i do with the next two kids do i want to spend a ridiculous amount of money um paying the system to teach my kids crap um I, i i look at law school it was great because they they taught me how to think and um now they're teaching you what to think and um they 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 used to teach you how that how to go about thinking mm-hmm. and that that uh, that encouraged open dialogue but 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 that's all being removed now mm-hmm. so claire i can't thank you enough for coming today what a fun time um i i put this as an eye-opening experience because i think that uh, kids across the nation are going through this universally mm-hmm. and it's um i'm not hearing anything different but thanks for being here today yeah thank you for having me i'm happy we could talk about this so i gotta tell you that i play this game and everybody when i tell them this game right before we sign off has never heard of this game but you've heard of this game and it's called rapid fire <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> And so, Rapid Fire is a game where I go ahead and ask you two, three, four, five questions. As quick as I ask them, you got to go ahead and respond to them. And I don't know if there's any question I'm going to ask you that's been unique because I like it with my guests. They like it, but it's a fun way to end the show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so, uh, you're going to die tonight. What's your favorite meal? My favorite meal is probably going to be orange chicken with a little bit of sushi and fried rice. Okay, anything else on the side? No, I don't think so. Bucket list place that you want to go to you've never been to? Switzerland. Why? Oh, no, no. I've just always wanted to go to Switzerland. I've seen photos, and everybody who's gone there says they love it. Um, okay, place you've been to you want to go back to? Uh, Nashville. Okay. And then uh, you're going to meet anybody uh, in the history of the world other than Jesus because everyone picks Jesus. Who would you pick? Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. That's the first I've gotten on that one. Okay. <laughs> How about anybody within our family or relatives or friends? Um, my godfather, Joe Santucci. Oh, I love that one. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would like to come to dinner with you with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then um, let's think of one last fun one here. Bucket list thing that you can do out of anything except for visiting a place, uh, an activity, what would be a bucket list thing that you'd like to do? I'd say either skydiving or scuba diving. 
I don't know which one. And there you got it from Claire Betts. I actually <laughs> ends up with skydiving or scuba diving. So I've done both. And I think she would have a great time doing that. And being a woman of power, I know you'll probably go ahead and do both. So thanks for being here, Claire. Thank you for having me. Again, this is Larry Betts. I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, parents, as you go through this, this is very real. Your children are being indoctrinated. And um, you need to make sure that you bring them up uh, really with your family values. Um, but there's an, definitely an agenda going on. I believe that. I see that. I've seen it not only with her, but I've seen it with the other two. It's getting so outrageous. I thought that this would be a good topic uh, to have with her. And I want to say thank you to my sponsor, Cherry Creek Mortgage. Cherry Creek, thank you for always being there by my side. Again, buying, selling, or refinancing a home. Always start with Cherry Creek Mortgage. You can also get a hold of me here. By emailing me at bettag at comcast.net or reply to the, the contact information below. Thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful day. Can't wait to see our next episode. Thinking about buying a new home or refinancing your existing one? With interest rates this low, what are you waiting for? Today's historically low rates means now is a great time to take the next step. Talk to Larry Betag from Cherry Creek Mortgage. Larry is a great resource to answer all your home financing questions. Call Larry at 630-524-9677 or visit www.cherrycreekmortgage.com forward slash Larry Betag. Larry Betag, NMLS number 158606. Cherry Creek Mortgage Company, Inc., NMLS number 3001. An equal housing opportunity lender. Not everyone will qualify for products offered. Thank you for joining Larry Betag at No Rewind. Be sure to repost this podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to contact Larry directly, you can email him at betag at comcast.net or you can call him at 630-417-7172. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode of No Rewind. No Rewind.